Huge, huge. Meditation's rocking my world right now. <laughs> very good. Glad that and essential oils very recently. <laughs> this fa- this, yeah. yeah, this podcast brought to you by essential oils and meditation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe some running. Podcast Junkies, episode 80, take three. If you're new to this show, then uh, you know that uh, you, no, you don't know, actually. That's why you're new to the show. I'm not going to do a take four. We're going onwards with this one. This is the show where we speak to interesting, engaging, fantastic podcasters um, who I've met, I've engaged with, and I like to have long-form conversations with where we talk podcasting and other things that are of interest to the podcaster and to you as a listener. And because of the feedback that I continue to get on how we deep dive on these conversations, I'm going to continue to do it in that format because I think it attracts a certain type of listener. And over time, I realize that what happens is that that type of listeners is become part of our tribe. If also you're new, then you may not know that we have a a Facebook group that's called Podcast Junkies Junkies. You can look it up. It's on Facebook. And it's really my backstage uh, goings on with regards to the podcast. So wherever I am, wherever I get some good lighting, most of the time they're outdoors because those seem to put me in a better mood. But I I walk you through um, what happened with a recent episode, what I've got on my mind for future episodes, and some of the things I'm um, challenging myself with as it relates to the show. Uh, last week we spoke to Evo Terra of the Opportunistic Travelers podcast that he co-hosts with his wife, Sheila. They literally sold everything they had, started traveling the world, and now they're in Thailand and they're having a heck of a time. But he's a podcast OG, if you will, having done this for 11 plus years, I think it is now. So that's a fantastic episode. I, I, I invite you to check it out if you haven't done so already. Uh, this week, we speak to Carrie Gormley. She is uh, a friend of mine through a, a mutual acquaintance, Chris Cerrone, who you may have mentioned here, heard mentioned on this show a couple of times. And um, she has a uh, the Running Lifestyle podcast. And we met at a, at a meetup in New York City last year that Chris had put together. And then we just sort of off and on stayed in contact. And we recently reconnected. And I was just thoroughly impressed by the de- dedication she's put into her show. She recently hit episode 100, which is always a fantastic milestone for any podcaster, as I'm sure many of you can relate. So we talked about... Uh, some of the the interesting chances she's taken to expand out of her comfort zone, including traveling around the world alone and moving to Sweden, of all places, for a new job. And she was there for several years, and she's got some great stories about that. So she's a lot of fun. She's um, really just a, a bundle of energy, and I'm always have a smile on my face when I talk to Carrie. And uh, this episode was no different. So I hope you enjoy my conversation and uh, get motivated to uh, hit the ground running, if you will, uh, after listening to this uh, interview with Carrie Gormley. So uh, I was about to call you Lacey. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie Gormley, Podcast Junkies. We meet on air, finally. Finally, I'm excited. I met you the first time in New York City in November, what, 
2014. Yep. Yeah, 2014 with our good friends um, Lacey Ursioli and also with uh, Chris Cerrone. So they're going to be psyched. They're going to get a shout out at this uh, at this point in the in the interview, and then they're going to have this little smile on their face because anytime um, you introduce people and they connect, and then you kind of forget about it sometimes, and then later on, you know, you, you find out that that they're still in contact or they're they're friends now or they're doing business together. And I think um, personally, I always like when that happens, and and it, and it just goes to show you that if you surround yourself with cool people, then as a residual effect, the, the cool people that you know that meet will end up, you know, connecting somehow, and that's 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 pretty nice. Exactly, the ripple effect. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and actually, you know, another good friend of ours, Denny Crahey from Diz Runs podcast, he ran with me at four in the morning in August. Yeah, at Disney World when I was training for um, a marathon. Shout out to Denny again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I need to have. I actually do. I, I have. Um, because this happened last time. So I have a, a list of my previous guests. So Denny, for the record, was episode... Where's that? It's on the list. Well, I got to look it up. I thought I had it handy. I thought he was within the first um, 30. Yeah, I think so. I remember that. He was on early days. Yeah. So uh, I'll look that up. Are you linked to the show notes? Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. That's where all the good things happen, as every podcaster knows. <laughs> yes. And what's your website? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, when did the when did you get when did the podcasting bug bite you? I would say it really. I got the bite, so to speak, in September two thousand thirteen. I was introduced to podcasts in 2011 when I was training for my first marathon. And it, it kind of reminds me of scuba diving. When you go scuba diving for the first time, it's kind of like, wow, there's a whole new world down here. Look at that. And uh, that was finding podcasts. And podcasts entertained me through hours and hours of running. And I had, uh, I, I never thought I was going to have my own podcast, but then I heard one episode on a podcast and it, it really changed my life. And I thought, you know what? I want to do this too. And well, I could share my message with the world and connect and meet people about something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about, you know, sign me up. Was there anything? Was there any apprehension? I mean, if if you're telling me the example is someone who has done scuba diving before, then there probably, I imagine there might not have been. But I'm just curious: was there any apprehension with getting started with something that was unknown to you at the time? Yeah, absolutely. It was why well, I started a own business, got an LLC. I mean, there were a lot of things trying to understand how to podcast. And it was really helpful hearing other people say that they were dragging their feet to get started. And it literally just felt like, let's just do this. And, you know, with podcasting, I mean, we're really putting ourselves out there. And also, you know, what we say, people can edit it and mumble jumbo it. So, it, you know, it's kind of scary there, too, of, of of how you're being taken. But the biggest thing I think I've learned as a podcaster and what people who listen to the show have shared with me is this ability to be vulnerable. Um, I know some podcasts are like, well, I'm the authority and, and I got to show my being authority and, you know, everything's perfect and I know how to do this and I'm the authority. And what I found is, you know, putting yourself out there and saying, okay, even though I have done, you know, three marathons, you know, what about this coach and, and, and so forth? And that people can relate to that. 
You know, it's like the unedited version. It's the it's like Facebook with some bad news in there sometimes. Was there was there something you could relate it to um, in terms of uh, something you've tried in the past where you weren't the expert going in, and there was a, like like a, a long learning curve, and it was intimidating because you didn't know where to start. Besides running, or could I give an example with running? Oh, here's an example. Um, yeah, I decided that after I graduated from college that I was going to go and move to Stockholm, Sweden and work for an American software company who I had an internship with in, uh, in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and to go um, pretty much right after college and to work and live in another country and also learn another language and sell in that language. So, yeah, I, I've been... And I, I, um, I took a trip around the world by myself in 2002. So I, I have done some kind of gutsy things in the past. Those are actually pretty big gutsy things. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about the uh, opportunity to work in Sweden because I imagine there, there, there or you can tell me if there were opportun- also matching opportunities or similar opportunities from a, from a job or responsibilities perspective here in the States, but what was it that, that made you decide you wanted to try something out in a different country? Yeah. Well, basically, I had decided I wanted to be an exchange student, and my, pro- my university, uh, University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, was just starting a new program in Sweden, and so I went over there, and I was there for a year, and then I decided that I wanted to go back and live and work there, and I had always been interested in, in Europe, and... I was very fortunate when I looked for an internship, I found a company that was international because someday I might want to, you know, work in Sweden and kind of shoot for the moon here. And I was very fortunate where I worked for an office that was wildly successful in the company. So um, the the RD regional director was good friends with like the VPs over in Europe and it was the right time and place and they were able to make a job for me in Stockholm. So it was pretty, it was in the right place at the right time. And what, and what from a cultural perspective, uh, I imagine you grew up in the States. Yes, outside of Milwaukee. So from a cultural perspective, what was the biggest shock for you when you landed there? You know, with the Swedes, they're compared with and level of shyness with the Japanese. And so very reserved unless they're drinking. And meeting us, I found a lot of times, not all the time, a lot of times if you meet a Swede at a party, they're very different when you meet them like during the day. They're much less reserved, you know, Uh, in a very, I found a very different drinking culture too. Um, Alcohol is highly taxed in Sweden. Mm. And it seemed like there was more of a mindset, not with everybody here, but more of a mindset of I get drunk on Friday and or Saturday night, not during the week. And there's this kind of attitude where it's, I thought it was just a college thing, but I also found it in um, even working life that you would, you definitely have pre-parties in Sweden. So you get, they would kind of get a buzz and then go and maybe buy a drink or two drinks at the bar. Um, now that was back in the day, you know, pre-kids, pre-being married, <laughs> pre-child, I should say. Uh, but it was very, very different. And it was also, very, their food culture is so different, too. Yeah. Uh, very more, 
more it's more important about traditions and the process and you know there's this whole big scandinavian like foodie scene going on in new york city which i think is very interesting yeah um so yeah there were a lot of changes and one of the things i think was just kind of interesting is that working i work for a tech company and in the u.s we had a refrigerator stock full of every type of soda you can imagine you know it was like diet cherry coke caffeine free i mean like any type of thing you can imagine and in Sweden, I got there, and you open up the refrigerator there, and it was free again. But here you had the choice of Coke or Diet Coke, and then they had four different types of sparkling water. So plain, grapefruit, lemon, and maybe raspberry or something. So it was interesting to see that difference. And they tended to, in Sweden, that they wouldn't have chips or soda that would really be at a party scene. You wouldn't have that, say, for lunch, where in the U.K., my job was actually based outside of London. Um for there, it was very common to have uh, chips and a sandwich for lunch, where Swedes wouldn't have the chips really until like a party scene type of thing in general. And how long were you there? Uh, I was there for four years. I worked for the, um, in Stockholm, yeah, and I was an exchange student in 96 in a, in a city called Umeå, Sweden, which is an hour flight north of Stockholm. Extreme lightness and darkness. Yeah, I've heard that that happens a lot. You get these swings where it's only sunny for, what, maybe four hours a day or something like that? Yeah, when I arrived on January 7th in Umeå, Sweden, um, they told me it'd be dark by 2 o'clock, and I, I, I just really didn't believe it. <laughs> sure enough, it's <laughs> starting to get dark at one thirty. Yeah, um, and then in the summer, it really doesn't get dark, and it, you have the extremes. That's, that's for sure. You really feel like a bear coming out of hibernation. Uh, how, I mean, did you notice a lot, one of the, the challenges or, or problems for that country and countries in that region, from what I've heard, is that there's a, a, a big issue with depression, right? Because oh. there's not a lot of sunlight. Sunlight people aren't getting vitamin D. Um, and so I think people have to find creative ways to combat that. Mm, absolutely. Um, I I definitely had that. Uh, he, even here, I have it. It's not as extreme, but I definitely had a bright light I used there. I would even take it to work sometimes, and the Swedes would kind of like laugh at me. I'm like, you guys are nuts. Like, this is not normal. <laughs> this is hard. And the, the toughest thing, though, is that it was a lot of times it was cloudy and rainy. You didn't even see the sun. And it would be common that if you did see the sun, you'd go in your lunch hour, and you would literally see people with their eyes closed, you know, looking up towards the sun. It was just like serenity now. It was, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's extreme. And, uh, the drink, also, you know, like the drinking culture is different too. Yeah. I imagine there's some correlation there too. Yeah. uh, Yes. Yes. Although I guess in Europe, when it comes to, um, alcoholism, France is number one. Hmm. The, it's a affective seasonal disorder, I think, right? Yes. 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 It, and, and, uh, but from a, a climate perspective, is it something that was you were sort of used to because you grew up in Milwaukee? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, the coldness and the snow it didn't that I was kind of used to. Um, I will say this though is that it seemed like the thing that was challenging there is that they didn't get the nice hot summers or the humid days. You know those days you're like, oh my gosh, I have to go swimming. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have you didn't have that. Uh, so. That was kind of hard, but I had a lot of vacation. I had six and a half weeks of vacation. Nice. Yes. Yes. And then they have a ton of holidays too. And then they have these Christian holidays and I'm Catholic. It's like, what? What what day is this? (laughs) And it's interesting too, because in Sweden, it's like all or nothing. You're religious or you're not. Uh. Yeah. Um, So 
Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's a difference with the, with the light and so forth, and the traditions. Very allow great traditions, and um, it's a it's, it's it was it was a really great time, and you really learn about your own culture when you're in another culture. That's an interesting comment. What was what was some of the things that you learned? Because because naturally, when you when the, when you say six and a half weeks of vacation, that's something that's just people. You know, their jaw drops, right? If they if they don't know enough, I mean, most people now because of the internet and news and commentaries, you know, they they know what happens, and maybe Michael Moore as well. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know that experience, hearing about it and experience it, I think uh, have got to be two completely different things, right? Yeah. It, it, well, it becomes a norm. You know, the people you hang around with, those things come normal. Uh, it's very normal for people sweet to take the whole month of July off. That's their big month in other parts of Europe. It's August. Um, that was very common. I usually didn't take more than three weeks off at a time. Uh, I worked, as I mentioned, for an American software company and we were on the quarter basis. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you wouldn't take vacation the last month of a quarter. And it was, you know, it's just something kind of normal, but they travel a lot. But then again, with six and a half weeks of vacation, I think here in the U S if you have two weeks, and you have some disposable income, you're going to go and have like a really, really great vacation. And you're going to spend some premium money, you know, like say if you're going to Disney World. And, and when Disney went into France, they kind of forgot, hey, these people have a ton of vacation. They're not going to pay the higher rates. They're fine maybe having staycations for a lot of that. Mm. Whereas here in the U.S., I think if you have a limited amount, you might make that one or two vacations like Uber, you know, just wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the all or nothing mentality. You're saving up your two weeks and then you want to just stretch that as far as you can and, and have the biggest impact for that time. You're going to be a a away because after that, then you're it's back to back to grinding it out. Right, right. And so it's a different, um, a different way of life there too. And if your child up until they're eight, you can work, gosh, is that 80% of the time and saying, okay, I'm not going to be at this meeting because I'm going to my son's, you know, spring concert um, that would be, yeah, of course, go. Whereas, you know, I, I know people do it here, but it's just a different a different mindset. Now, I haven't lived there since 2002. It's been 14 years, yeah. so things could be a bit different. But they were very tech savvy. That, and it's one of the leaders, you know, in technology, too. Ericsson's, you know, Spotify's there, tons of companies. Is Skype even a Swedish company? Or was um, it or from was, the beginning? Yeah, before Microsoft. I think they yeah. might have been, yeah. I think it was. Um, so very tech forward. I'll never forget. Um, that was the first place I saw where people would have like the little earpiece, you know, microphone for their cell phones. Yeah. The the Bluetooth. Yes. Yeah. Although it was just like the little thing with the cord, though. Oh, okay. That was Bluetooth. The. I don't uh, know. The headset. Yeah. So tough word. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after or during that time, you you traveled alone throughout Europe. Well, actually, when I took my trip around the world in 2002, it was like around the world. So I started in Europe okay. um, and I ended in Europe. But yeah, I, I went to, well, the, technically the first spot was Copenhagen because I had a six hour layover, but I really don't consider that too much. Um, but I went to uh, Thailand and to uh, Singapore and I spent a lot of time in Australia and a lot of time in New Zealand, uh, some time in Fiji. And then I knew moving back to the U.S. that I, I didn't want to live back in Milwaukee. And so I visited some parts of the country I'd never been to. I'd never been to California, Colorado, Texas. 
uh, I went out to DC and New York, and then went back to uh, and then I went to Germany. A family or they're like family in Germany, and then back to Sweden. And it was great too to see you know parts of the U.S. I'd never seen before. And for a while, I thought I actually might move to Colorado to Denver, but I actually between Denver and Washington D.C. like night and day. But I I chose uh, D.C. and I think it was a great choice because I met my husband a few months later. That's interesting. Um, and so from, I guess from a, from a, a weather perspective, not, it wasn't in, as enticing enough when, uh, in terms of living on the West Coast, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, now that now we're discussing it, I did talk to some companies, went in Seattle and went in San Francisco, but the, the best job that came forward and went back to software was actually right in Ruston, Virginia, which is near Dallas Airport is in the tech corridor there in D.C. It's actually where AOL is. Oh yeah, um, I was wondering what your what what the mindset is of a person who decides to travel the world by themselves, uh, and how much thought you put into that prior prior to taking that leap. Yeah, I think it goes back to the people you hang around with, and if mm. that's normal. I had a, a friend uh, Nicholas who I had met when I was an exchange student in Sweden. And then when I was living in Stockholm and working, he actually took a trip around the world. And a lot of people who take trips around the world, you get a special airline ticket, you have to keep on going a certain direction. And um, he actually did the opposite. Most people had east, which is what I did. He had a west. But, you know, I, I'll never forget, I said to him, he actually stayed um, at my apartment in, in Stockholm the night before he went on his trip, on the, trip around the world. And we were actually taking the... Um, the Pendletoger, the commuter train, and I was going to go to work, and then he was going on to the airport. And I remember saying to him on, on the commuter train, gosh, I wish I was going with you. And he said, well, you, you could, or someday you'll take your own trip. And and then I had another friend who I met um, at the software company from Australia. We were on training in Boston. And he said, you know, you know you're going to move back to the U.S., so when you do, I think you should take a trip, and you can come visit Australia. And... So I always wanted to go to Australia. So I always knew, like, I was going to go to Australia before I went back. And then I said to my friend Nicholas, yeah, I'm going to go to Australia before I move back to the U.S. He said, well, why don't you just take a trip around the world? I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. There's two places I want to see. And uh, it may sound crazy, too, in 2002 to do this. And, yeah, um, I, I, I guess there's kind of, I don't want to say it was normal, but I had friends who had done it. And I mean, I scared the bejesus on my parents, you know, uh, absolutely. And, and I did my research and everything was fine. If there were, there were two times where I felt pretty uncomfortable and they were in the U S actually. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It was actually in your, your two cities in LA and New York. <laughs> yeah. That's not surprising. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to the U S and LA and I uh, got into a, uh, one of those like vans where you like share a van type of thing. Yeah. And um, I probably was really chatty. And long story short, first I got, oh, the guy was kind of sleazy because he tried charging me more. I'm like, wait a minute, your person said this much. And then he wanted to give me, I was going to Santa Monica and I was meeting a friend there. And the, the van driver was like, why don't I give you a private tour of Malibu? I'm like, no. And I had to tell him <laughs> no a couple of times. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's the 
kind of sad that they the, yeah. the both times were in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, it was in the U.S. It definitely was in the U.S. And, you know, also I, I did a lot of research. Something really tragic is when I was looking at the different countries to go to on the backpacker trail, uh, Indonesia is very popular. And when I was planning this trip, I had looked at, you know, the State Department recommendations, and they had advised uh, Americans not to go to Indonesia. And I chose not to. And I was... So I, I traveled from June 2002 until December 2002. And in September 2002, at this point I was in New Zealand, and there had been a, a bomb at a, like a, a tourist bar in Jakarta. And it was a whole bunch of foreigners who had died. And when that happened, I thought, you know, I just have this bad feeling that I know someone. And um, here, a friend I had made from New Zealand while I was traveling, his friend was there with his buddies at a big bachelor party. Jakarta is kind of like what Las Vegas is to us, to what it is for, for people in Australia and New Zealand. And here, his friend with his his wife it left, it was, was killed and had a wife and a six-month-old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just like, in, in, in the U.S., the State Department had advised Americans not to go there. Yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff that I think freaks people out when they think about taking a trip like that. Um, how so? How long for the whole for the whole trip? How long were you gone? Yeah, so so six months. With the majority of the time in Australia, New Zealand. Um, looking back, I, I could have spent some more time in Asia. Did you have you seen the Reese Witherspoon movie Wild? I haven't, but I want to. I want to. I'm wondering uh, how much you could relate to that. I, I'm, I also wonder, like, when you do things like that, you know, I've taken shorter trips, obviously, um, um, to meet friends, or, or I, but I've never, interestingly enough, done a trip on my own, and it's always something like one of the things I I regret I haven't had the chance to do. And that's not to say I won't have the chance to do it, although I am have been married now for 10 years, but I think at some point in the future, maybe I could uh, work something out for a couple of weeks. <laughs> do your own thing. I mean, you it's up to you if you want to meet people you're social if you don't you go in your corner yeah yeah yeah. but i think um so what was the biggest discovery for you and it may not be something that you realized as you're you know stepping foot on new ground on on day one but i think as you get closer to like the six month mark a lot and it's hard to see this because you know you can't just look back immediately and be like, oh, I found this, this, and that. But now that so much time has passed and you've had the time for reflection, do you think there's some key takeaways or, or some key lessons that you learned about yourself that sort of surprised you at the end of the six months? Yeah. You know, when I say, like, oh, I lived in Sweden, people are like, wow, that sounds so glamorous. And it's like, there was a lot of stuff that was hard when you don't speak the language and you're a foreigner. Um and, or, oh my gosh, your life must have been easy. You were on the beach. You were doing this and that. And there's this famous meditation expert, John Kabat-Zinn, and he has a book called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And whatever uh, challenges you have, they're still going to be there wherever you are. So that was really key. And the trip was huge for me in a sense of confidence that I can find myself around and also uh, meeting incredible people. Uh, you know, we were having this conversation in the beginning, how you were saying, oh, it's like you attract like-minded people and you're connected. And, and some of the people I met on my trip are still great friends to this day. And I've seen in multiple countries and continents. And that, um, yeah, I think it's, it's like for all, a lot of us, we don't know how strong we are. We're stronger than we think we are. And yeah, it just, it, it also told me, I knew, it's very interesting, on this trip, 
I kind of developed this kind of this checklist, kind of like some women will write down exactly what they want in a husband and, you know, vice versa. And I kind of really knew from this traveling and the time spent in Sweden and traveling, like what, what I was looking for in my, in my future husband and my husband, like he is that person and even the negotiables (laughs) I got. Well, that's interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't do that and they end up with a spouse that they're not compatible with. And it's this, they have this seed inside of them that wants to do things that are, you know, that are fun and that are adventurous. And, but they think that, well, I'll, I'll just convert the person that I'm with. So we, and then, then we can do that later on. But I think what you did was, was really fantastic because you did the things that made you happy and that motivated you. And then you sort of put out the intention to find someone that aligned with who you are as a person. I like to say that I met my husband through a Google search. (laughs) (laughs) It's true because I knew, I knew I wanted to be with a fellow traveler. And so when I was in DC and it was partly why I went to DC is I wanted to have that whole international experience. And so I, I, I think I Googled like international club DC and found this group called Euronet. And it's basically people are from Europe or have a connection to Europe and a lot of people from the World Bank and IMF are there. And um, he was there because he had gotten his MBA in France. And we met, you know, at this bar. He hates it when I say that, but it was a bar, you know. Um, and he'll say it was the Toka Cafe. It was in the bar area. I'm like, come on, honey. Um, and we started talking right away. And DC is a massive area. And we, it turned out we were living a mile apart from each other, but we, in Virginia, but we met in DC at this event. So it's almost like kind of, I don't want to say being strategic, but you know, if you love to run and running is part of your life, you might want to, you might find your match at the running club. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you do a lot of running while you were uh, traveling the globe? Um, no. So that's the funny thing is that. My friend, who I spent Thanksgiving with my best friend in D.C., actually, she was living there at the time, we were going to do a 5K. So I tried to run, and I remember running in New Zealand. It was beautiful. But I wasn't much of a runner. In fact, even when I met my husband, he ran, and he had been in the Air Force and was in ROTC. And I wanted to try to impress him, so I'd go running with him. <laughs> Did it work? It was really hard. It was really hard. And... um and and then yeah, I didn't really start running seriously until we moved up here to Wilmington, Delaware. Um, but he, yeah, he is a runner. Although I like to say I like to go the distance. So I like the longer distances, and he likes the shorter distances. And so, so now you're running, and let's. And uh, how long have you been married now? Um, also ten years. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, two thousand yeah, five. So you've been running a, uh, a while now, and you've run three marathons. You said. Um, I- Actually, six now. Six, wow, very impressive. I, I the only my, my only claim to fame marathon wise is that I actually started training for one. Nice. <laughs> but uh, I started traveling a ton for business. I actually applied for the New York City Marathon when I was living in Atlanta, and um, I got accepted. And then I started training, and then uh, I had to travel, and then um, I was up to I think seven miles a day. Um, but it was, it's a, it's a huge commitment and I, and I, and I, I know a lot of people apply for the New York city marathon. So it's a big deal to get accepted into the lottery, but, uh, it was, uh, 
you know, so I was I was a, I was a runner in high school, so it's something at, at some point I might try to pick up again. But it's definitely like a commitment I feel mm. to make it part of your regular life. Huge and, and marathon training for a marathon really takes over your life. Half marathon, not so much, but it's kind of like people. I once one child, but some people say that when you go from one to two, it's not twice the work; it's a lot more. And I think going from a half marathon to full. But, I mean, it's a wonderful experience, and there's no feeling like crossing that finish line and that person putting the medal around you, and you're thinking, like, I've worked so hard for this. And for, it's that, just, for that one moment, right? That moment. And then the funny thing about it is that the race is actually the icing on the cake. You know, everything else is the training and the sacrifice that you've, you've done. And, and there are ways nowadays, too, that um, they are gentler in your bodies. There are different ways of working very well. Um, Thanks to my, my podcast, uh, The Running Lifestyle Show, I actually was able to be coached on air by one of the most famous coaches there. I'm speaking of Atlanta. He's from Atlanta, Jeff Galloway, and he's actually the Run Disney coach. And so the podcast has just opened so many doors, and you're, you're kind of like, well, it's me in my office with a microphone. <laughs> well, I think... So uh, you're an imposter here. No, I mean, I think everyone underestimates what you can do um, and we, and, and, and in terms of like measuring our success, sometimes we, I, I, I'm sure I'm going to butcher this one, but when we look back at the, the progress we've made over the past couple of weeks, it, it's hard to feel like we're moving. Right. But if you look back like a year ago, if you look back two years ago and compare it to where you are now, I mean, I've done it myself recently. I'm like, I, I cannot, I couldn't have told you that I would have been in this place where I am in, in my, you know, with my business, for example, you know, two years ago, no idea that I could even get to this place. But now that I'm here, I can see the steps I did along the way that got me here. And, and I think the same thing with your podcast, when you started and you said, like you said, when you started in your closet and you're just wondering who you're going to talk to and who's going to come on your show, fast forward now, uh, hundred plus episodes and you're getting some of the, the, you know, some pretty big names in running on your show now. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I, I got, that was a huge hit to the ego. I got the, the most influential person running, Mav um, Kosleski. He was on and, you know, I kind of liked it that I got him on and some other podcasters, you know, have been along longer. Okay. Okay. Don't call me a mean name here. That's just the ego talking here. And I realized that, um, but, but you know, it's, it was, it's incredible to interview the leads, but then it's, it's also incredible to talk to everyday runners and we're just like, yeah, we get each other. Like there's a special bond with runners. We're kindred spirits. We get it. We're, you know, we're endorphin junkies. We're, 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 we're like salmon swimming upstream because this is not normal going these long distances. This is not like the average thing to do. And it's been a lot of fun. And I, the biggest thing, though, yeah, it was great having Meb on. I mean, great, you know, hit to the ego, and it gives some credibility. Come on, when I can say that. But some of my best moments being a podcaster is really connecting with people who listen to the show and then meeting them. We, so, I, I mean, going back to, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, give me an example of, of something that uh, sticks in your mind. Yeah, one of the best experiences in my life was, you talked about the New York City Marathon. It is very hard to get in. It's tougher every year. And for instance, in 2015, you could enter the lottery, 14% of the people got in. So do the math. I didn't get in. 
And neither did on the show. Um, we have, we call her our go-to real food dietitian, Serena Marie RD. So I interview guests and then Serena and I will talk about something nutrition related. And we bust a lot of food myths. We're not what you see in mass media where we're talking about some different things. And neither one of us got into the New York City Marathon. And one of the guests on the show is a famous runner, Dean Carnassus. And we have mutual friends and we have become friends. And we decided, Serena and I decided we would run with the charity that Dean runs first for Chicago, New York. And, and I was pretty clear with Dean that we were interested in New York. And he connected us with the charity. And they're like, yeah, we've been wanting to you know, work with people on social media. And long story short, they thought I was going to run Chicago, too. And I said, no, I do one a year. My mantra for the year is gentle. And Serena's mantra was courage. So when I called her and said, yeah, they think we're running Chicago, too. But I said, no. And she said, let's do it. Like, ah. Oh. So we did. And five of the listeners ran with us. Um, four ran with us in Chicago and one ran with us in New York. And it was just an incredible experience to like train together virtually and then to meet each other at these races. We were, we were great friends. And to work that hard for something and to be able to bring people together through a podcast, it, it, w- it was huge. And it just felt so good to be like, yeah, here, here's our team, the running lifestyle show for, for Action for Healthy Kids. Just one of the best experiences. And um, just talking to some real, and the running community, it's very tight knit and, and, and people helping out. And uh, there's someone called, he's the chief running officer at Runner's Row Magazine. Um, his name is Bart Yasso. And he has this famous quote, never limit where running can take you. And I interviewed him early days, and then he spent a half an hour with me after the interview learning about what my goals were, and I was sharing with him that my, like, shoot for the moon interviews, and he helped make that happen. And, yeah, it's really, you know, this whole thing is just really a passion where I am very much in favor of a very low sugar, a lower carbohydrate, high, low carbohydrate diet, and you don't really see that in mass media. And I really wanted to take my passion for traveling and for running and a couple of as being a facilitator for Weight Watchers for seven years. I did that after being in, in software sales and to share this message. And it, it, you know how it feels when someone emails you and says, yeah, that, that episode really meant a lot to me or I can't wait for another episode. And, and you feel connected and we know how intimate it is where someone hears your voice compared to the written word and then a lot of the runners, because my podcast episodes are an hour, an hour and a half, they save them for the long run. So they're running and they're just listening. Whereas, you know, sometimes you might be doing three or four other things. With my podcast, it's usually you're just running and <laughs> you have a friend running with you. That's interesting because a lot of times, you know, podcasters get into this discussion of the what's the ideal length for a podcast. And I... And I've I had this discussion with Rob Walsh of Lipson, and it's really whatever your audience thinks it should be, because by virtue of you doing a show that fits what you want to put together, uh, and is as long as it needs to be to cover what you want to cover, that that's you and that's the decision you've made. And so whoever is attracted to that is your ideal audience. It's weird, but it's almost like if you build it, they will come mentality. So I'm sure you couldn't have set out to think, well, if I just make it half an hour because every other podcast is half an hour, then you know that's going to work for me. And the, the example you gave um, of 
of an hour and a half being ideal for a long run. You know, that's something you don't think about. You know, a typical podcaster wouldn't think think about that, but a podcaster that's also a marathon runner <laughs> would have that, you know, it would it would just seems like it, it makes perfect sense. It's, yeah, perfectly. And and I, I started out doing three episodes a week that were half an hour. And it actually ended up where I, after going to podcast movement and talking with fellow podcasters, I just kind of smushed my three interviews to one big one. And I did lose a couple of listeners. I had one guy who said, yeah, when you went to a longer one, I didn't listen. But when you had Meb on, I listened. He was like, that's fine. And by the way, you aren't my avatar. Like <laughs> I, I, um, although, you know, it always surprises you too. I mean, the people I thought was my avatar in the beginning, I didn't meet any of those people in Chicago. Hmm. Um, and then they say, okay, well, your, your real people are the people who, who do surveys, right, that answer your surveys, which I get, right? If they're going to spend the time answering your questions, they might be people that if you offer some products, these might be like your people. Um, and when I, when I did my survey, it came out that 85% of my listeners were women. Hmm. And when we look at Google Analytics, no way. It says like 60-40. And I like to think that's probably because guys don't fill out surveys. As much as that might be <laughs> Because I do have some guy listeners. I'm like, why didn't you fill out the survey? You know, it's like, I know you. I've met you in person. Yeah, I didn't feel like it. Whatever. Yeah, there's so many little things that help us as podcasters get a better feel for how we can better serve our audience. And we sometimes it feels like we're pulling teeth when we're just asking for like a simple thing like a review or filling out a survey or, you know, uh, commenting uh, on, on the site or feedback on like, you know, artwork or, or any anything any feedback at all actually is, is yeah. much appreciated because we're doing this thing we're doing this in a vacuum a lot we're all doing this you know nine times out of ten and 99 times out of 100 in in our in our house um and so we go we get a little stir crazy when we don't get feedback from other human beings it is hard and you know really giving an itunes review that takes time though when you really think about it you know you have to figure remember what your password is and da, 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 and like it, it helps us so much, but I think it's so easy sometimes to forget how much time it takes to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we can't really take it for granted. And so that, so that just means that when you do get the feedback, you, you're so much more appreciative or when you're out at a conference and you run into someone and, and they shake your hand or they thank you, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I've said this a lot of times on my show that I, I treat all my listeners like just you know, goal that's, and the, the, my guests and my listeners like equally, whenever someone engages, I just make sure I'm like, what do you need? And I, I still have, yeah. you know, I have a, a box of t-shirts here that I just have literally to send out whenever I connect with fans on, on Twitter or on email or, or some of my guests, just, I want to, I want to have something handy that can thank them for, for listening. Cause I, I never take that for granted. Yeah. It, it's, it's a privilege. It is. Um, so it seems like you've hit some pretty major milestones in terms of people that you've wanted to connect with in the running community. So, um, and you've hit, you, you hit your hundredth episode recently. So a lot of times people use that as an opportunity to, uh, cross that imaginary finish line, if you will. <laughs> but do you, what, what are you going to keep doing for yourself? Um, for the podcast to try to figure out how you take that to another level uh, from 100 to 200? Uh, I have this, sounds like a crazy dream, because I don't think there are too many people who do it, but you know, just because it's not done doesn't mean it can't be done, but 
I would love to be this professional podcaster that a brand that I'm crazy excited about hires and says, okay, Carrie, we want you to interview different people in every episode. Then we're going to come by and have like a tech update about something that brought our product or that. I would love to do that. Also to have um, exclusive community and, and meetups. Um, I'm really fortunate where this coming weekend I'm actually – uh, I had been in contact with one of the listeners, and I so he he, he lives about an hour and a half away, um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and that's about an hour and a half from Wilmington. I said, why don't you come down for some races here? And long story short, my son has a swim meet. So he's actually organized this listener of the show, Jeff Paladina, thank you. He has three different running groups coming together at a Fleet Feet place and a store and we're going to go for a group run and then we're going to do a periscope with the runners and I have some giveaways from some sponsors and they even got some press coverage <laughs> which is nice. crazy to me uh, yeah yeah um, which is really crazy and it, that's what I mean we're the running community we're like these like-minded people and we get all these endorphins and it's bringing people together and it, it's really cool too where he like organized all this stuff and through one of my sponsors Jabra I was able to say hey Jabra can you send him a pair of like earbuds and he was thrilled and like dude like you put this whole thing together you didn't have to do this you know that's, that's, that's the least a, I can do that, very cool and so talk a little bit how you started the process of of, of um, connecting with sponsors because you know we've chatted before um, on the topic and I and I think what you're doing is is really encouraging to new podcasters who want to try to establish relationships and figuring out who can be a fit for their show and how to start those conversations. Yeah, you know they have this saying. I can just hear John Lee Dumas saying this: like the riches are in the niches. Well. <laughs> You know, there's some truth to that. Absolutely. Because I'm talking to runners. You know, I have a, a sales background. I know you do too, Harry. You know, I don't know if I like the word hustle, but it's just like kind of putting yourself out there. So I got my first sponsor by being at a trade show and wanting a product to try. And then the woman, she just started listening to startup. And I think she like wanted to help this new podcaster. Um, so it's, it's talking about, um, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, this whole CPM, this, you know, cost per thousand downloads. You know, I don't believe in that at all because you're getting, for a lot of podcasts, it's, it's like if you had some podcast equipment as a sponsor, you're getting a very niched audience. You know, I, I don't know how many people listen to your podcast who aren't podcasters. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. Friends, it's, yeah. it's friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's hard. So it's, it's working there, but it's also talking about, you know, having other people maybe getting their product into other people's hands and having those people talk about on your podcast. Uh, so that's been a way to do it. And, and giveaways has been really a great way. Um, you know, a some of the listeners, they understand that like you guys, like we are paying like the fees to Libsyn and we're paying all these other fees. So they want to support you and you support the supporters. So that's been, um, really helpful that way and you know there are exclusive communities but you know i think podcasts i'm sure you talk about this all the time harry is they're one of the two it's a passion project and you're just doing it because the love of it and there are definitely other running ones like that and then there are ones that are businesses and they're definitely running podcasts but those are businesses and that this is their their vehicle and there are some couple that have done really well thanks to the podcast um so I mean, there are different ways to do it. It's kind of under, 
kind of knowing what your intention is going into it, but it's like a business plan. Like you have the destination, but you're going to take different routes. It's like GPS. You don't know what's going to happen and then the opportunities. And one of the things you hear over and over, you know, like, just get started, just get started. You know, you know, forget about editing. It's okay to say, um, and it is, is that people say, oh, it's about who you talk to. It's like, yeah, yeah, but it is. It's who you have access to that you never would otherwise. And you mention some things and your friends are like, what? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're just like they're in the book. They talk like that, too. You know, it's, and it, it, it's almost I can be nonchalant about it, but um, it's 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 fun. But it's more so about that connection, really. That is and if you see and it's like we know this, the more you meet in person, the stronger your connection usually yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. You can't replace, you cannot replace being in person with someone. No, I, some of the most important connections I've made and some of the longer, longest friendships I've made have started out just from a conference, hanging out together. And, you know, there's two or three days that you get to really vibe with someone and, and, and the people who are uh, like-minded, um, they sort of congregate together and, and mm -hmm. they are introduced to friends that are similar in nature. So then, you know, this becomes like a, a little bit of a family reunion when we get together week in, um, not week in, week out, but yeah. year, year in and year out. Year week, out yeah. week in and week out, we'd probably kill each other. It's yeah. <laughs> so, like you have this brothership. It's like, yeah. of course, Denny was going to come run with me, you know, at four in the morning in the hot, you know, shade at that time. That's very that's very cool that, that, that you guys did that. Um, so, but there's this there's this aspect of your personality, uh, Carrie, that where you mentioned it yourself that it's like you're, you uh, people would describe you as uh, very talkative. And um, uh, was were, were you always like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I got diagnosed with ADHD later in life, and yeah. when I <laughs> when I, not that everyone who has ADHD is talkative, but once I got the diagnosis. It was just—it was kind of funny, like, oh, that explains that, and so it's perfect. I love to be with people. You know, have me sit down and write blog posts. <laughs> no, thank you. And I know our buddy Chris Arone feels the same way. Yeah, I think uh, some people are communicate better in spoken form, and this, it's obviously everyone who's been on radio and everyone who has a podcast and. Um, all of us as well were preaching to the choir, and some people just enjoy the 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 peace and serenity that comes with like sitting down with a notebook and a pen and just writing and writing their thousand words every single day. And different strokes for different folks, but uh, it seems like you definitely uh, take to to speaking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did that for seven years at Weight Watchers, being a facilitator and a PR contact and. I've been told I have this energy that get people going. Um, I attribute that to rest though and, and being really mindful of the company I keep. That's, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about podcasts is, is you choose your content. It's on demand and you know what mood you're in and you control it very easily. It's, it's one of my favorite ways to, to get news and, you know, those times you're maybe kind of sad and something's bothering you. It's so easy to distract yourself with a, with a motivational podcast. And, you know, the thing I find very interesting is it, 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 podcasts remind me of kind of how corporations versus the mom and pop main street stores where we're mom and pop here. And, you know, the corporations, you know, are like Panoply and NPR and so forth. And I actually, my first podcast I listened to was wait, wait, don't tell me mm -hmm. with Peter um, Segal, Segal. And I actually saw wait, 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 don't tell me came to Philadelphia 
and I saw them and they had everyone on stage and, you know, all the producers and that. And afterwards they're answering questions. They're like, yeah. And we only have this many people and we were able to produce this. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> so it's really funny how we all think like, oh my gosh, I'm doing so much. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm a one man show. Okay. I do have an excellent production guy. Thank you, Richard. Um, because yeah, you don't want to sit me in the corner and try to edit. That's not my <laughs> skill. And, and that, it, it, I mean, that would not be a good use. Plus, it would just drain me, and I wouldn't be a fun person. To yeah, we need to focus on the things that we're really good at. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's something my coach tell, makes drills into me all the time. Oh, he, yeah. He calls it focusing on our genius. So yes, yes. Because we have this uh, just range of things that we're there's it's it's, it's funny because it's, there's a range of things and it's things we we suck at, things we're okay at, things we're excellent at, and things we're really good at but those first two got to get off the list really really easy really really quickly and then the ones where we're excellent at are the ones we where we sort of think that's a good use of our time but it's like we know enough to be dangerous like for me it's like html and css and, and fiddling around with like uh, images on a website like i could do it but then like four hours later i'm still doing it and i'm like how did this happen like how, how did i lose my day like getting stuck down there so gradually over time you you just put a an hourly rate around what your salary is, and if you could pay someone less than that to do something for you, then you do it. Um, and and it's the concept of like why you have someone come and clean your house, right? You know, just you yeah. know, or, or or why you go to buy ice at a at a at a deli, you know, before you got to go to a party because you don't want to sit home and making ice. Like it's just <laughs> you know, think, like yeah. simple examples like that. But you can think about it as it relates to your podcast, as it grows, and as it relates to your business, as it grows. Um, something not to lose track of. Yeah, that that is what I tell new podcasters is like if you can outsource it out, unless you really like editing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I know for a while I think John Lee Dumas edited because he really got a kick out of it. From what I heard, he still does. Uh, and for really? Those, oh, I see yeah. you've given that up. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, well, maybe just give some... Maybe it's a rumor. Yeah, and <laughs> for those... Uh, for, I know for those... Uh, we, we sort of take it for granted in the podcasting world, but for those who don't know who John Lee Dumas is, he's the host of Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, it's funny because I... I Talk to some people in the from, that come from radio, and I, I was recently at a meetup here in Los Angeles, and eighty percent of the folks came from radio. They worked at KCRW, and they were, you know, it was one of the guys from um, Dinner Party Download, uh, Rico, and we were chatting for a bit. And if you mention Johnny Dumas, there, no one has any idea who he is. You know? No, and these are prominent no. podcasters, but they just come from a different uh, yeah. silo. So it's just interesting how different, how many different. Um, flavors of podcasting there's the comedy world and um, so that's I try to like dabble in, in all of them um, because the only thing I need for them to be is a podcaster which is which works, right. which works out for me are you an only child or do you have no someone's... I have a younger brother I have a younger brother and so um, w- would your if you're if you had Talk, if I talk to your parents when you were like a little kid and then they see where you've ended up now and what you're doing with the podcast, are, are they surprised? You know, I don't think they kind of get it. Okay. Um, they kind of do, but they kind of don't. Uh, I was in Arizona. I met a listener and they're like, who is this? This is a person who listens to the podcast. I said, it was me on Phoenix. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, but... Um, you know what? I think they, I don't think, it, you know, it's funny because I was kind of thinking about this. When I was, I think in like 
third grade or something, we had to do some school project, and I wanted, I pretended I was on the Today Show. So I <laughs> recorded the, the intro to the Today Show, and then I was there at the desk with my friend Shannon, and I would do these spots. So I, I guess it's not, it's not shocking. And my degree is in in marketing, so okay. I had that that ex, that experience. Um, but you know, talking, I just wanted to, to mention that it's so interesting about radio and podcasts. I wonder if you've had this experience where you talk to seasoned radio professionals, and a lot of them, not all of them, and a, an official mentor of mine is Vinny Tortorich, who was a radio guy who is now in podcasting and he had been radio it had been years and years ago until he was in podcasting. But a lot of radio folks I meet kind of treat podcasts as the same thing. And I think they're two night and day things. I just took a, a course, unbelievable course. I highly recommend it. It's the course that Alice Blumberg uh, made for creative live. Yeah. And phenomenal. And, you know, Alex was saying, you know, every 20 seconds, you know, you gotta be thinking someone would be switching channels. And and I feel, I feel like with with podcasts, I feel as if we do have the time as podcasters to go more in depth. That we're not on a you know so focused on time, and we don't. Some podcasts don't edit as much. It was fascinating. It's been fascinating to hear some podcasters go on other podcasts that aren't edited like theirs, mm-hmm. and you hear all the ums and the extra words, but you don't hear that on their podcast. Yeah, they they treat it differently, and they that that episode where Alex is talking about the editing process just for a beginning post- podcast would probably just totally intimidate them because you listen to like the samples of of the audio that he's providing, and it just it sounds they they, they almost sound exactly the same, but it's just they just have a different ear for listening to things, and it's almost hard to compare you know what a new podcast is going to go through to what these these folks, these seasoned professionals with decades of experience um, are coming into podcasting with it. They just have such a trained ear for that sort of stuff that um, it's, it's, it's just different shows. And it's, and again, some people are attracted to that level of professionalism, that level of editing, that level of like the, the sound, the music, the combination of everything together, which is why they need, you know, weeks and sometimes months just to put together one episode. Yeah, it's huge. You know, I think the biggest thing I've learned through being a podcaster, and this is huge, and this is a life lesson for anyone, is that the worst thing you can do is to compare yourself Mm. to someone else. It is the worst, because otherwise you're sitting in the corner comparing yourself, this person has more downloads, this person's faster, this person has more money. How is that helping you? Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually fantastic advice. And that's something, um, you need to be reminded of every day, like, like run your, it's, I just, I was about to give you a running analogy, run your own race, right? Yes. Yes. Run your own race. And that you don't know until you tow the right line. I mean, how many times have you overanalyze something like, what about this? Or what about that? And what does this person think? What does he think? What does she think? And then it's almost like, just be quiet, shut up and do it already. And you don't know until you actually try it. And now I really understand why listening to podcast coasts and so forth. They're just like, just do it. Just do it. It's like, they're literally pushing you off the high dive. And it's almost like you're doing the sign of the cross on the way down. And, and and you just and uh, and then otherwise you just think about it. But I think the average is like people will do seven podcasts and say this is too much. Yeah, so pod fade. That's why pod fade. That's why you need to I think have the mindset if you're going to outsource 
I, that's just my experience. Yeah. But yeah, everyone. But I think out of it. yeah, I think. But the yeah, definitely. The, but the most important takeaway is to if you're doing it for the love of podcasting and and something that you're podcasting about, whatever you're passionate, that should be enough fuel to get you through those first couple of months and and ideally through that first year because if you don't have enough to talk about or to feel passionate about for a year my guess is that you probably picked the wrong topic Mm. yes yeah because people can hear your passion yeah absolutely and people love this like do it with you type of thing i think so i think it yeah what do you think uh, as you've because uh, you, you've had some really, really good interviews, and I imagine if if you if I had if I had uh, you know given you a connection to Dean Carnassus like uh, on episode two, you probably would have like freaked out because you, maybe because you didn't have the 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 confidence or the skills. And I'm, so over over the time as your show has grown, do you feel like your your skill in interviewing um, has improved? It has. And I just have to tell you a funny story about Dean, though, is that I actually met some good friends of his and they emailed him during running and they emailed him before he even started and said, hey, we met Kara. She's starting a podcast. Will you go on it? Mm. And when and for those of you who don't know Dean Carnassus, because I didn't even know who he was, which was sad as a runner. And the, the, the family I was running with were like appalled. I didn't know who he was. But um, actually, in 2007, Time Magazine called him the 27th most influential person in the world. He was wow. right before Oprah. Yeah. So he has run like 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. Uh, the Regis and Kelly show had him run across America. He ran through the White House, met Michelle, Michelle Obama. He, right now, he, yeah. So he wrote this really nice message back and said, yeah, I'll come on. Great. So I knew like I had like he would come on, but then I was scheduling it. It didn't happen for months later, which was really good. And yeah. I was pretty confident that when I met him and also we had mutual friends. So I, that felt good. Um, but I still get nervous. But you know, the interesting thing is I was freaking out when I met Meb. I mean, it, it took four different angles to get him. And when you met, um, uh, when you met who? Uh, Meb Kaflesky. He's okay. this famous runner. And, and that was about a year into me podcasting. But then it's really evolved to, we have a guest, uh, I've had her on a couple of times. Um, her name is Kim Stemple. And she's, there's another way of putting it. She's, she's dying. And she created this, um, not, it's not a non-for-profit. It's like a, a group, some type of thing where it's like, you don't pay taxes, whatever. Called We Finish Together. And it's where people take their medals and they give it to a fleet and then the fleet gives it to say like nursing homes or children kids in children's hospitals and i was more nervous interviewing her because this is like this is her legacy yeah and letting her speak say what she wants to say and to make it really good and people can say you know here's our founder um so that that was that was that was really hard um talk about being nerd it made a bigger impact I would say that's just true. different and and we like we never know when when something can can happen i mean it's it's kind of strange if you think about i mean i don't want to get morbid here but the fact that we have this like living lake this this audio legacy for our family yeah it's something to think about and and and, and as the as you have those experiences it's it's not it's i think it's a good thing to be reminded of those and, and to sort of put things into perspective as to really what's important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, through this journey, 
I've really come to realize that there are three things in life that really matter. And that's our bodies, because whatever happens, we know we have our body. It's our experiences, because no one can take away crossing the finish line of a marathon or take away a fun time at a conference, you know, or a really great, you know, time with a friend, you're laughing hysterically. And it's our relationships. Hmm. You know, our bodies, our experience, and our relationships. And podcasts have just catapulted those three things in my life. And I wonder if it's the same thing perhaps in your life, too. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And um, I I, I think on all fronts as well, because um, it's not something I would have seen coming into it but then we don't like i said we, we just i couldn't have ima- imagined where the connections i've made uh you know the people i've met the conversations i've had uh the places i've been able to travel as a result of the show all those things and i it's just a, f- a continuing reminder and why i like to continue to, to speak to podcasters is to inspire people who are listening to the show for the first time and and they they're getting started and they want to hear the stories because every single person that I spoke to has just a unique story about how they got to where they are uh, in podcasting and they're all interesting paths and there is no one way to get to this point. Um, I think the one thing that does unify them all is that they have a passion for, for podcasting and, and for telling a story. That That is and you know, this idea where we can be like, just do it. Okay, it's like, okay, that's easy to say. And the next question really is like, okay, what what are your fears? What are your concerns? Okay, yeah. let's walk, you know, let's let's think these through. You know, let's do like a mind map here. Yeah. Because um, most of the time when we don't do something, it's fear. Totally. It's what 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 could happen instead of like what can happen. It's almost like that, you know, the abundance theory versus the... Um, Scarcity. Well, Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I've been hours. I'm sorry. No, I, <laughs> I feel like I've been re- I feel like I've been reciting that one almost daily now and have or having a conversation. I was just having a conversation with, with my coach a couple hours ago and that same word came up. So I think it's uh I think it's becoming more uh common uh perception of how to live life and this and it was mentioned in Stephen Covey's uh, the seven laws of successful people or something like that. And I didn't realize it because I read that book a long time ago, but abundance mindset is, is one of the things in them. Yeah. Always thinking like, how can I help this person? Yeah. And good people attract good people. Yeah. Very good conversation. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. This has been fun. <laughs> really fun. Uh, a couple more questions. Um, <laughs> what have you changed your mind about recently? Ooh. Wow, deep thoughts, Harry. What have I changed my thoughts about? Okay, yeah, this this may sound like little, but it's really big. Um, is I thought I could be a moderator when it came to sugar, meaning I could eat a little bit of dried apricots, hmm. or I could eat a little bit of chocolate. No. Uh, for Lent, I decided that I was going to give up added sugar, and I went to the go to go to real food dietitian on the show, Sir Maria D. And she had something going on. Cracks me up. Shake your sugar habit. She's funny. And she's like, "No, you're not going to have bananas." Like her thing is, you can have berries and citrus. And since I got off of the sugar, wow, I have so much more energy. I'm sleeping better. My skin is clear. My hands aren't as dry. They're not like bleeding from as much dry skin. 
Um, so I, I really thought I was a moderator when it came to sugar. And for runners, a lot of runners fuel with sugar, right? You need a, a quick shot. Um, but I've given up sugar in the past and it came back in and now I've given up again. And uh, yeah, right now I, I don't crave it and I feel so much better. Interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things you have to go through a period probably of withdrawal to get it out of your system. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you can do it. It's about three days headaches. But you know what I found out recently and people rave about, and now I get it. Uh, it's kind of like people would rave about the New York City Marathon. I didn't get it until, okay, now I got it, um, is essential oils. Oh, yeah. Wow. Do you use them? Uh, in terms of like from an uh, aromatherapy perspective or from like as oils like cooking with or? No, no, from aromatherapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, funny. yeah. What are your favorite scents and, and blends? So funny. I have one here. These are hard to read. I don't know why these labels are incredibly small, but I think it's uh, lavender, marjoram, patchouli, mandarin, geranium, and chamomile. And this is something that I found online. It's called uh, relaxation. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I thought and then there's, a, there's a package of four. And there's one, another one called meditation. And this is Ylang uh, Lang. I can never pronounce that one. Patchouli, frankincense, clary sage, orange, sweet, and thyme essential oils. And this is called meditation. Nice. Do you meditate? I do. What's your practice like? Tell me about it. Um, it's just finding time every morning. I've got, my latest one is just uh, some Tibetan chimes. It's about 30 minutes and I just have a program in and it kind of like bounces from ear to ear. Um, it's some tones, um, but it goes for about 30 minutes and I, I sit, try to get up as early as I can, sometimes like around six and because you need you need to be in a place where it's going to be quiet and silent. So I come into my office, I have the blinds closed, and um, just try to shut out all other sensory input and try to stay focused on on the meditation. And the later you do it in the morning, the sounds of the morning start waking you up, so it gets a little bit harder. So that's part of the reason why an early morning meditation works because it's it's relatively quiet, um, and you can find some time to sort of gather your thoughts and I, I really feel like it starts the morning off on a good note because um, there's a lot of distractions that happen throughout the day and if you don't have a, a regular practice um, those things seem to affect me more um, when I don't do it huge huge meditation's rocking my world right now <laughs> very good Glad that and essential oils very recently <laughs> this my this, yeah. yeah this podcast brought to you by essential oils and meditation yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe some running, but yeah, I'm telling you, like, my favorite morning now is I, I wake up naturally, although this morning I slept in, which is kind of bizarre, but going upstairs and having the, the diffuser, and then there's like an awake one that has like six different blends, six different oils in it, and then meditating. I, I actually meditate with Oprah and Deepak. They do these different courses, nice. and then it's transcendental, so you have the music, yeah. and love it, and you learn at the same time, and yeah. So good. And that's big abundance mindset, Oprah and Deepak. Huge. Totally. Yeah. So I, I think, I uh, hope we've given some uh, listeners some tools, everything from uh, running to, uh, so you, you got the body in there, you got the mind, the spirit, all yeah. working on, firing on all cylinders. Relationships. Yeah. Very important Experiences. <laughs> our experiences of being with other people. 
the relationships. Yeah. Like and you get your own body to do that. Of course. Very cool. I'm glad we got to spend uh, some time getting to know each other a little bit better and getting to figure out what it is that makes Carrie tick. <laughs> Thank you. And hearing some behind the scenes with you, Harry, and what makes you tick with meditation and coaching and outsourcing the things that aren't your expertise. Yeah. Important. Huge. I can it's, it's going to be exciting to see where we're at uh, a year from now, right? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe you can come on the show and tell us about, you know, a half marathon or a 5K. <laughs> that's an interesting. Yeah, that's, that's your invitation. <laughs> you can gain access to the Running Lifestyle Show by crossing the finish line of 5K. 5K. I can do a 5K. I've done a couple 5Ks. Okay. I can do another one, yeah. And I'm looking for runners who have the shorter distances. Okay. And who aren't running all these marathons. I've done enough of that. Very cool. Yeah. I'll, so, uh, that's, that's yeah, my... and even if you just start running again, you don't have to do races. Okay. Seriously. Good. That's, that's a nice, uh, yeah. that's a, that's a nice, nice goal to strive towards. <laughs> it is. The fellow podcaster here runs for fun, not about the race. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, where's the where's the best place for folks to track you down online? Um, you can go to my website. That's cool. Um, TheRunningLifestyle dot com and on Facebook and Twitter. Don't you love Twitter? I do. I do actually. The people you meet, it's crazy. Yeah, I've I've actually booked guests. Uh, through Twitter conversations. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just one of those you you have to ask type of things, right? If, yes. you, if you don't, if, if you never ask, then the answers are always going to be no. Yes. Isn't that the truth, brother? Yeah. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. I know we've uh, tried to add a little, couple of back and forths getting this scheduled, but um, I'm glad we were able to parlay that initial meeting in person to continue our yeah. friendship and to and to have you come on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Harry. I really appreciate it. Hope oh, stay warm. I know it's uh, cold yeah. on the East Coast. <laughs> it is. It is. Spring's coming. <laughs> and have a fantastic night. Thank you. You too. Okay. okay. So how about that challenge at the end from Carrie, which caught me a little bit off guard where she invited me onto the show and I was thinking to myself, well, it's a running show. And then she said, well, obviously you're going to have to do a bit of running. And she made it easy for me. She, she wasn't asking me to run a, a marathon or a half marathon, but I think I can pull up a 5K, and I think that's an interesting little uh, way for me to, to get moving um, and, and pick a race uh, a couple of months down the road um, and get that done. And I think it's a, it's a feeling of accomplishment when you set these small challenges for yourself. And then when I'm on the show, uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy feeling that I've, that I've done that and I, and I put my... Uh, put that challenge to myself and that I accomplished it. And I think nothing but good things can happen when you do that. So uh, I invite you to, to do the same, set small challenges and see if you can push yourself to, to meet them. So uh, thanks to Cedar and Soil for the intro and outro music. You can find more information at uh, cedarsoil.com. Don't forget that we are a proud member of podcast. Uh, Castica. I almost said Podcast Junkies, but it's Podcastica. And if you missed the news in past episodes, we have a new member. And it's the One Mind Meditation Podcast with my old friend and um, recent guest on Podcast Junkies, Morgan Dix. So it's nice when you go to the website. It's now evenly spaced out with um, eight shows. It's pretty cool. The network is growing. And they're all great shows. They're all great people. You've actually had a chance to listen to and hear from all of them now. 
um, on Podcast Junkies. So there's you can't really say that you don't know the hosts because you actually know them all. Um, what else? Support the show. Head on over. Ch- read the show notes. We put some time into putting those together. We give you a recap. And we're using a new player from uh, Simple Podcast Player, courtesy of Hani Mora. Shout out to Hani. Um, I, I've recently re-implemented, not re-implemented, actually implemented site-wide to all, and I went back to all my episodes. So it's now using the um, the Simple Podcast Player, and it's fantastic because it gives you prominent buttons to download, uh, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, leave a review, clamor it. Uh, if you don't know what clamor is, C-L-A-M-M-R allows you to grab a small snippet of audio and share that socially. You can subscribe via RSS, via Android, and also on Spreaker. So the other cool thing that they just added with this recent release is it takes advantage of those timestamps that I've put into every single show notes. So now you literally can click on the timestamp and it'll start playing that within there. So if you just want to peruse through an episode um, and catch a snippet of something that grabbed your attention in those timestamps, you can do that as well. Don't forget, we also have um, tweetables on the site so if you tweet something out that was uh, that we captured we captured usually about three or f- three to five and those go immediately to get shared on twitter so these are all good things that um, i'd like to push you to do to help get the word out about the show don't forget you can always uh, subscribe head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash itunes when was the last time you left a review a rating, a review, and a subscription to your favorite podcast. I'm learning um, a lot from all the ones that I keep adding. I prune them all the time. Uh, That was a term that Evo used on the last episode about pruning your friends. I think you should prune your podcasts and uh, keep them up to date with the things that interest you. So do that, check it out. And don't forget, we also have an affiliates page on the site. Just simply go to the homepage, podcastjunkies.com, and uh, click on the affiliates, and you'll. That's a growing list of services that we use, and if you happen to use them, then uh, we get a little bit of love uh, from that as well, because it's uh, small ways that you can support the show. But uh, spreading the word is probably the best way, because the more listeners we get, the better for all of us. So have a fantastic week, you guys. Thanks again for listening. I truly appreciate it, and I really love uh, your support that you're providing to the show. Take care. Mm-hmm.